This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. This podcast series is made possible by Cotton Incorporated, a not-for-profit company funded by U.S. cotton producers and importers whose mission is to increase the demand and profitability of cotton. Discover what cotton can do. I am Edward Hertzman, founder and president of Sourcing Journal. Welcome. Today, we'll discuss the importance of transparency in the supply chain, how brands and retailers are going about it today, and how it relates to other key industry initiatives like sustainability. We're joined with Maylin Wan. She's the vice president of textile sales at Applied DNA Sciences, a firm that provides tag, test, and track molecular-based supply chain integrity for traceability and transparency. We also have Jonathan Aiken, Director of RFID and Digital Partnerships at Avery Dennison, and Julie Vargas, Director of Digital Solutions at Avery Dennison, which holds more than 800 patents and applications in RFID-enabled technologies, which provide greater, greater efficiency, reliability, and accuracy to supply chains. Malin, um, I'd like to start off with a question for you. Um, Transparency and traceability seem to be used a lot these days and often interchangeably. Can you clearly define each separately, noting the role each plays in the supply chain? Sure. Um, It's really about enhancing supply chain resilience uh, through traceability, transparency, and trust. And the way we see supply chain traceability is really the ability to identify, track, and trace elements of a product as it moves along the supply chain from raw goods to finished goods. So um, when you have poor traceability, what it does is it opens up companies to the possibility of um, issues like slave labor, product contamination, uh, pollution, all sorts of things that that can now create um, difficulty um, in communicating to the end consumer. Transparency actually um, goes way beyond getting visibility in the supply chain. It actually helps um, a company get greater visibility by helping them to manage risk more effectively. And it really does have a direct impact on consumer trust and firm sustainability. 
um, if you don't make information um, more public about your supply chain, the chances are your end consumer will do it for you. So we really feel at Applied DNA that um, supply chain partners that are really concerned about transparency will find a way to uh, provide that information to the end consumer. Uh, thank you. Um, Julie, um, question for you. Um, what's behind the industry's interest in greater transparency and what types of problems are are they typically coming to a company like Avery Denison with uh, for you guys to solve? All right, so I think there's a couple of things that are driving it, right? So one is just um, straightforward awareness and really wanting to have a connection to what their product's made of, where it's made. There's another layer um, in other industries around you know, food and pharma that's really about the traceability aspect of making sure that things are safe, secure, and from a reliable source. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting about what's happening in today's world of digital disruption is one of the things that they come to us for is to find a way to do it better, faster, and more reliably. So that has a, a lot to do with using modern technologies to have greater sets of data to not only be able to understand where things are and where they're from, but to take quick action on really correcting course on things that may not um, be, be something they want in their supply chain for their customers. So we, we, we've seen the headlines with companies in all industries getting caught under delivering on their stated product characteristics. Uh, Malin, how can molecular tagging keep brands out of trouble? Well, we think it's more about building trust with the consumer and less about staying out of trouble. It's really, you know, is there a story to tell about where the products come from, how they're made, and where they're going? We think that brands have an opportunity and a responsibility to share that story with the consumer. Um, we also think that brands have the ability to create identity and communicate that to the consumer all the time. So, you know, if you're willing to spend money to, you know, promote your identity downstream, why wouldn't you invest in developing a system to, to develop an identity upstream and follow that identity all the way through the supply chain? So, in other words, since a lot of raw materials look the same at the beginning, wouldn't it be great to uh, be able to tell the difference, tag it, test it, and then track it all the way from fiber yarn and finishes? All right, great. Um, Jonathan, you know, a lot of people talk about RFID. I'm not convinced that even uh, most of the industry that, that says they know what it is actually truly understand what it is. And I know Avery Dennison's, uh, um, you guys offer a suite of solutions, which one of them is RFID. Earlier in your career, you work with brands that use this technology. You know, what are the benefits of RFID for retailers in the supply chain? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'm fortunate because I've actually been on both sides of it, right? I uh, worked for Lululemon for six years, and so I have a really good understanding of how retailers work. Though, you know, even even today, I learn new things about how Lululemon works because it's, it's such a big organization. But um, really, uh, there's a lot of benefits of RFID. So, um, you know, the, the biggest one that you see in the retail store side is inventory accuracy and then customer satisfaction. So typically most retailers think they have accurate inventory, but realistically, uh, when you do an audit and you count it, their inventory accuracy is closer to 65% than what they think that it is. With RFID, you can increase that accuracy to 98 or 99%. 
And one big side effect of that is that once you have good inventory accuracy, then you can do lots of things with it. And the biggest thing there is that customer satisfaction will increase because you actually can tell people I've got this uh, product and they can trust it. And then when they walk into the store, they aren't disappointed. So, and that disappointment goes back to uh, the supply chain. So you have a much better chance of knowing if you're selling products in this new omni-channel world where you're people are turning increasingly to the internet to go online either with an app or go to a customer website to actually buy products. So typically they buy online and they expect to either pick it up in store or have it shipped from anywhere. They don't necessarily care that you only have one e-commerce warehouse. You know, they just see inventory that's available and they want to be able to buy it. So when I was at Lululemon, I actually ran their RFID program and we implemented RFID in every store in North America and across Asia. And one of the things that we're able to do from that is once we increased our inventory accuracy, we're able to actually decrease labor costs as well as increase uh, revenues. So in addition to that, we're able to, to turn on new features like ship from store, which is very transparent to the end customer. But what that does is it turns you from having one or two or three warehouses to having hundreds, uh, if not several hundreds of warehouses. So now every Lululemon store becomes a mini warehouse. So yeah, but Jonathan, what about, uh, I, it's clear that there's a tremendous amount of benefits, but there's, for those that do understand it, uh, some people will say that, you know, it's too labor intensive, maybe too expensive um, to implement. Do you agree with that? What would you, how would you kind of reply to that? I mean, I, I would say that the prices of RFID tags are, are continuing to come down. There's a lot of perception of it's difficult to do that. One of the things that Avery Dennison does is they make it very easy to turn on RFID. So, you know, we actually offer implant printing and service bureau printing. So if we're your current tag customer today, we can very easily transform you from a non-RFID tag to an RFID tag. And when I look at the complexity of the Lululemon RFID project, Avery Dennison paved the way for us, and their part was extremely easy. The other parts had some complexity to it, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Avery was a, is a key partner, and they were actually one of the reasons that I joined Avery was to be able to, I feel really passionate about this, and I'm, it was one of the, the reasons that I wanted to come and help other retailers get the success that Lululemon had. And so, Julie, what about um, uh, product quality? And can RFID help there? You know, beyond traceability, um, how can RFID help retailers reach some of their uh, productivity, product availability, and omni-channel goals? And what type of concrete, uh, demonstrable benefits have companies achieved uh, with you know once implementing RFID? Right. So, I, so from the quality perspective, uh, there is this, you know, what's happening is each product now has a digital identity. And so as part of that, you know, we talked about um, traceability as far as where it's been and, and what it's made of, but there's also an authentication factor to that. Um, in addition to that, it helps with things like quality control. And Jonathan already mentioned how this can absolutely transform very manual, tedious processes like counting items in d distribution centers and in stores. And so it gets you to a layer of data that's much more um, accurate. So what's happening is when you have that accurate data uh, as far as what your products are and where they are, um, a couple of things come from that. So one is your inventory accuracy. So most retailers are seeing that jump from about 65% to 99% accurate. And when they do that, they can pick to the last unit, right? So if I only have one in store, but I'm confident in my inventory, I can make sure that I, I um, put that available for sale ad and, and it comes straight to you um, when you want it as fast as you want it, right? The other piece that's really interesting 
is around um, the margin lift. So I think it's important to remember that the supply chain as a whole, um, when enabled by this type of data, can really be transformed. So if you have accurate inventory, you know what's selling through and feel confident in, in what you have where, you can um, eliminate things like overproduction. And where this gets really exciting, again, is, is back into some of the, the food space. So think about being able to see expiration dates quicker, um, being ma making sure that you're getting things from back of house to front of house before they get put on markdown in the apparel sector. All of those are really leading to an average of two to 5% margin lift across the industry. That's, that's amazing. It, it really is. I mean, we saw a huge margin lift at, at Lulu, um, but the, the, you were asking earlier about what's the cost to, to roll it out. I know it's too difficult to do it. Lulu paid for the entire project by reducing labor costs, like an average of three to four percent across the entire store fleet. Um, so, and then as a bonus, inventory or uh, revenue increased, right? So, and how long do you think that period of time was from the time of implementation to the time they saw that that cost savings, where they where they could actually recognize that hey, we actually didn't pay for this; it actually paid for itself. Yeah. So, I mean, the the. The lift in revenue alone paid for the project in one season. So, but um, but the ROI calculation that we did was to do the labor reduction was in 18 months, but we actually saw that much quicker just on the revenue boost because nobody wanted to sign up for, for increased revenue because of the complexity around it. So we had to do a, a, a longer tail in terms of uh, labor reduction. But you know, within a month of turning on RFID, we took away 1%, and then it was another 1%, and then it was another 1%. So in, ter in terms of how we kind of cut the labor back, because the, the manual process of restocking the store, it took two people, it was extremely inefficient, people on walkie-talkies. And if you go into any Lulu store today and you say to them, you know, would you like to do restocking the old way or the new way? Nobody would go back to the old way of doing it. They absolutely just, it was painful. So... Now you just go off of a planogram, it's much simpler and way more accurate. So now you're basically guaranteed if you walk into a store, the store will be completely replenished in the front because they the planogram calls automatically every minute to tell you, hey, this sold, so go ahead and pull one from the back and, and put it to the front so you always have the right optimal amount that you have. So do you really see this becoming not a like nice to have, but a need to have in the foreseeable future? I, I think so. And this sort of competition in the online world is you look at all the, I mean, obviously Amazon's a big player, but, you know, Walmart and Jet and all these, I mean, it's so easy to do online really with technology. So it's almost becoming table stakes to have good inventory accuracy. So one of the challenges that retailers have is they jump to omni-channel first without having RFID. And so you see things like 20% of your omni-channel orders get canceled and they get frustrated and say, oh, omni-channel isn't working for me. Well, it's actually your inventory isn't working for you because it's working against you. So you know, if you have one in five orders canceled, that's terrible from a customer satisfaction point of view. To, to put it a different way, the Lululemon order cancellates like 1%. So I want to I want to jump to uh, a completely different type of tagging, and that's molecular tagging. Um, uh, Malin, you know, um, I know Applied DNA has the Certainty platform. So how does your Certainty platform work, and what other benefits have your fiber and apparel clients gained using molecular tagging? Uh, great. Um, so our Certainty uh, platform actually um, can help the supply chain uh, in three ways. First is to tag, second is to test, and third is to track. Um, when we create a tag, it actually is unique 
to the brand or to the client. Um, we um, actually create a, a molecular tag as opposed to one that's digital. And this molecule actually is designed to be safe, um, to stay on the uh, fiber or the yarn and has no impact on the quality or the performance of the product. Um, it's a great way to tag millions or billions of fibers in one shot. So it's fabulous. Um, secondly, um, testing. We work with our partners to develop a systematic uh, way to uh, test samples quickly. And uh, we can do that now with our portable on-site systems, which can be installed at the mill. Um, and finally, digitally uh, tracking all the data that we collect from tagging the material uh, physically and also uh, collecting all the testing um, from all the parts of the supply chain. Typically, what happens um, in audits, um, as we all know, um, they'll come in once or twice a year and take a few samples, and those samples can, could be the golden samples. So the benefit of certainty is that you, in fact, are collecting samples that go through the supply chain, providing full traceability from the raw material to the uh, finished goods, um, and that's supported by forensic tests that we do on the, on the actual goods. So just as a kind of a follow-up to that, um, as it pertains to sustainability, um, sustainability is, is becoming a key initiative that we're, that we're hearing from, you know, over and over from brands. And a lot of them are putting these five and 10 year goals uh, into place. Uh, what role does traceability play in sustainability in your, your opinion, uh, Maylin? Um, in our opinion, it really, there's no way to other, otherwise prove sustainability without traceability. So um, we can really help brands and manufacturers meet their goals um, to achieve um, sustainability by actually helping them to tag materials that are pre-certified. So it could be pre-certified recycled PET, it could be um, cotton, any type of um, uh, finish or material that has a performance claim. Um, and that really just helps to protect the product claim and also make them feel confident of what they had at the beginning actually ends up in the finished product. So, so for people listening, you know, um, and maybe their company is, is, is not transparent or at all, or they don't really have a sustainability uh, plan in place, um, but they recognize that his or her company, you know, needs to be more transparent. You know, what are the steps? What can one start to do to overhaul their supply chain uh, to, to achieve these goals? Obviously, you know, is it something that could be do that could be done all at once? Is it a, is it a phase process? You know, what would be some of your rec recommendations? Um, Jonathan, you want to start off by answering that or? Yeah. I mean, one of the things is really knowing where all of your products are and knowing how they've been managed from beginning to end. So one of the things that we're doing is putting uh, digital tags with, with QR codes or NFC or tying into the RFID tag because that can actually be applied even while the work is in process in the factory. So, and then it can move all the way through the supply chain. So you know not only where it is, but you have uh, better transparency into not only how it was made because you can scan it all the way through, but in addition to that, you actually can know if it's been diverted and if it's gone to places where it perhaps shouldn't have gone. So if you're not a vertically integrated retailer, you have probably uh, problems with uh, diversion today. And so one of the things that our technology can do is help uh, understand where diversion is happening and then track it. And one of the things with a uh, QR code is you can actually enroll your end customer as part of that process. 
So if they scan the QR code, they can know if the product's been diverted and if this one is supposed to be in your market or not. Does anyone else want to add any uh, different perspective to that? Or does everyone kind of have the same sentiment? I'll add a bit to that. So the other piece, I think, and Jonathan touched well on the you know, reducing waste and overproduction component. I think the other piece of this is around education. Um, so there is this incredible opportunity to give access to information about the product to the end consumer. And that piece, um, you know, we work a lot with the Sustainable Apparel Coalition and, and other industry organizations. And part of this is really helping out awareness. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that a lot of our customers face is around the impact of, of counterfeiting, which is approximately 8% of world trade. Uh, the word GDP would be the GDP of Canada. Um, so it's a huge problem. And it, it, it's something that obviously has no regard for sustainability um, and, and you know the ethical production uh, cycle. So it's really important for consumers to also understand why this is critical uh, for them to really support both a sustainable world and sustainable communities around the world. So to make this conversation just a little bit more confusing, I want to throw another buzzword in there that everyone likes to talk about today, and that's blockchain. Um, again, I think that, I think this is another one of those words that uh, <laughs> no one can really ex uh, understands or explains, even those that, that are, you know, they think it means Bitcoin. Um, so Malin, um, I know in the past you said that blockchain, you know, over lunch we've talked about this, you said that blockchain could be a part of a solution that knits together several of these technologies. Uh, for people who are still unsure, can you explain you know, what blockchain is, what are its benefits, and how do you see it being implemented into the supply chain in our world, you know, apparel, textiles, you know, uh, footwear, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Um, well, let me preface this actually by saying that there is no magic silver bullet. Um, even, you know, with our DNA technology um, and even RFID, I think the technologies can work together. So, and that's how we feel about blockchain. Um, you're right. Most people think blockchain really is Bitcoin, but it actually, I think, goes beyond that. Um, the official IBM def definition of it, I think I'll just say, they describe blockchain as being used in peer-to-peer -peer network of parties who participate in a given transaction, and the ledger is shared amongst everyone, and everyone has the ability to actually, at any point in time, see the data and actually monitor the progress of any type of transaction that's in the blockchain. So that's sort of our understanding of it. The way we think of our platform is that it's ready for blockchain. So we already collect a lot of data about um, stuff that we obtain on the tagging and the testing, and that certainly could be part of a blockchain. Um, what we bring above and beyond blockchain is actually a forensic physical identifier um, that actually stays with the goods from the beginning to the end. And you can capture that digitally. So um, we think that it is a, a system that um, can work, but it really also needs to have a physical component to it. Um, and that's where I think also RFID could be really helpful. So... <laughs> Yeah, Jonathan, what, what's, what's your thoughts on this? I, I don't really like talking about blockchain because I'm one of those guys that bought uh, Bitcoin at uh, 20000 so uh, it's a very sore subject for me. But um, I think it's, um, as Maylin says, it's, it's, it's much more than, than blockchain, uh, than, than, than Bitcoin and IOTA and Ripple. And uh, it, there's a lot of technology that's behind it. And so, you know, what's, what, what's your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, so I mean, blockchain is very new, and it's it's definitely a little bit of the, the wild west. But there's enough people that believe in it that there's a lot of investment in it. You know, uh, I was just at South by Southwest, and I was at uh, a party there put on by Consensus, which is a startup that is fully focused on building blockchain-based applications. And if you see that there there are demonstrations, you can really understand the power of blockchain. But you know, we have a product called Janella that is um, an Internet of Things platform. So it ties into the digital identities where we can apply a digital identity to every single uh, piece of clothing that is manufactured, um, shoes and apparel. And we can then tie that in through our IoT platform. And that's easily uh, plugged into any blockchain that uh, a retailer would want to start using. So the, the things with blockchain is everyone does think that it's related to Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is just it's kind of like the original, the, the OG, uh, if you will, <laughs> of, uh, of, of, uh, bit, of digital currencies. But there are about a thousand different uh, digital currencies out there. So not all of those are going to survive. But uh, and blockchain, the original is probably not as efficient uh, as some of the newer ones that are out there. So um, Ethereum is one that has definitely had a lot of... Uh, uh, kind of yeah, I lost eighty percent of my money in that one. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think the people that say if you are in it to make money in the short term, then that that's not really the right answer. So yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with that. But but the, the power of it is it's you're not tied to anybody and you're actually paying somebody to authenticate the ledger. So um, you know I'm not a I'm not a blockchain expert by any means, but there's several people that I uh, work with in 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 the past at Lululemon and other places that firmly are believers in it and they understand kind of the technology behind it, as well as how it's really, you know, a completely transparent uh, and authentic process, right? It's, it's, you can't fake the blockchain because so many people, uh, the peer-to-peer -peer methodology of, of correcting it and, and verifying it, you know, if one fake transaction gets through, the other pieces are going to catch on it. So, so all these topics are obviously, um, it could be hours in itself, and I've kind of uh, promised myself that, you know, I tried to keep these uh, relatively short. Uh, most of our audience is probably now have arrived at work or finished their jog. So, um, uh, is there any final thoughts? I know we covered a lot of different topics and is, is, does everyone have any final thoughts, comments, recommendations? And what I'd like to do is before we sign off, uh, I'm sure there are plenty of questions from the audience. And since there's a diverse topic base here, if anyone would like to get in touch with, um, you know, anyone, either of you, uh, what's the best way that they could reach out to you guys? Yeah, I mean, so this is Jonathan. I'm, I'm on Twitter at, at J-A-I-T-K-E-N or Jonathan Aiken on LinkedIn. Um, there's several Jonathan Aikens out there, but you'll be able to see mine's the RFID and Omni channel. Uh, those are the best ways to, to connect with me. All right. Uh, Julie? Yeah, so I, I do have one final thought, and it goes back to I just had to say blockchain at some point. Um, but I wanted to highlight what Malin said. I think what's so exciting, you're right, we covered a lot of different topics. But what's exciting about this time is that all of these different data carriers and data elements are finally converging in a way that I think we'll see all of these trends accelerate fast, uh, very quickly around traceability and transparency, which ultimately um, will make for a more sustainable industry. Uh, to find me, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn at Julie Vargas um, and on Twitter at at Julie Vargas, Avery Dennison, AD. All right, thank you. And Malin? Uh, yeah, I actually just would like to, um, you know, end off by saying that, um, 
the topic of traceability and transparency really comes down to technology and the companies that are winning today are the ones that are innovating and adopting technology and they don't use costs as an excuse for not doing anything. So, um, I, you know, I, I would like to just uh, encourage anyone who um, wants to try something to try it. You know, that's the best way to learn about technology. Um, and I uh, can be reached on LinkedIn and uh, also through our main textile um, email site, which is textilesales at adnas.com. Great. I really appreciate everyone being with us today. Um, and uh, we will hope to uh, connect with uh, each of you soon. Thank you very much. From a focus on the technologies enabling greater transparency, we turn to a discussion with a retailer that's actively working on pioneering this area. We're now joined by Nina Sarati, Project Manager for Transparency and Hig Index for H&M. In her 10 years with the fast fashion firm, she held various positions, including buying strategist in Stockholm and product developer in Bangladesh. H&M says it's mapped out all of its tier one suppliers and has gotten through roughly 60% of tier two. In total, the company works with about 2,500 vendors. So Nina, what's at the heart of H&M's attempt to be more transparent and why did you decide to make your supplier network public? Um, I would say um, there are a lot of different reasons why um, we decided to become more transparent. And I'm going to give you three, three main reasons. And one of which is actually quite simple. We wanted to basically show that we didn't have anything to hide to our, uh, to our customers, but also to our stakeholders and to, to make sure they understand that we are, we are taking our responsibility when it comes to um, sustainability related questions. Um, another, another aspect of, is, of, of transparency is that um, Transparency help and uh, make it possible for the customers to make more uh, informed and sustainable choices. And uh, essentially, that's 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 very important um, to make sure that you have the customer on board of the 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 changes you want to see in industry. Um, because when you have the customer on board, I mean, we are all customers, we are all consumers, then it would, it would, um, it, it helps you to, enables you to make this big, massive shifts that you need to see. Um, and the third, third, third reason is that we, we, we wanted to, we wanted to, um, we, we want to show that we, we want to be transparent and transparency drives accountability and we wanted to hold ourselves accountable, but we also wanted to uh, hold our suppliers and business partners equally accountable um, um, for, the, for the challenges that are being identified within the industry. Um, so so you, brought up, um, you brought up the consumer, so you kind of beat me to my next question. Um, you know, what type of feedback do you get from the H&M consumers? Um, how much do you think they care about transparency when it comes to purchasing their clothing? I mean, when, when it comes to a purchase, I think it will always, the number one factor will be, do I want it? Do I like the product or not? Um, but we see that the, the, 
the whole, um, I mean, the whole society is shifting and becoming more informative. You have uh, access to a lot of information. So with that, you, you, you see that consumers also start asking questions. But also when we are, when we are trying out our different uh, transparency uh, projects, and for instance, we did a um, we added a transparency layer in our conscious exclusive campaign um conscious exclusive is it's a collection that we uh, we we launch uh, to show that fashion fashion can be sustainable um high fashion can be sustainable um so we added a transparency layer into that collection saying that uh, look, this is where this specific garment is produced uh, in this country, at this supplier, with this factory, and here's the address, um, and here's some interviews with workers, etc. And the feedback that we got from that was that a lot of customers were like, wow, we didn't, we didn't know that H&M is working with sustainability in this broad uh, perspective um, and another another positive feedback I mean a feedback that we got was that a lot of consumers they were very surprised on the fact that uh, such um, high quality garments were being produced in Asia and in China and that there were very advanced uh, suppliers and uh, factories in Asia um but um, but we also we also get feedback that uh, which i find interesting where they're saying this this is great but how 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 do i know uh, how can i compare what uh, what you are doing with other brands uh, uh, how can i know if anyone else is as good or not and it, which raises a very re relevant question or um um issue which is it's not enough that uh, H&M is being transparent if, to drive the change or a handful of brands are being transparent you need transparency across the industry for it to for it to help the consumers with their active choices so how long how long do you think it's going to be before we see this um being from a nice to have you know, a portion of someone's collection or a few a few brands out there like an Everlane, you know, making it part of their ethos or a Patagonia to to it being a must have across the board. I mean, I, to, I think transparency is already today a need to have. I don't think it's nice to have. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to scaling it up and making sure other brands follows, I mean, there, I think a, a handful of uh, brands who, who can take a lead and 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 show the way. But eventually, you you also you also need a push um, pu push action as well to maybe make sure that the full industry is moving. But I think that this will this will develop organically. You, you see, there are a lot of discussion in EU in connection to legislations, connection to connected to transparency as well. So. Yep. So, so there's, you know, there's one thing to for a brand or a retailer or even a consumer to to want uh, transparency. Um, it's another thing for a company to be able to have a more transparent supply chain. So, you know, um, then then begs the question, you know, how does one go about it? So, you know, let's let's first address it from a technology standpoint. You know, is 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 blockchain RFID? Is there is there technology out there today that is helping a company like yours? Uh, 
make a you know trace things more accurately, create a more sustainable and transparent supply chain. Um, what are you guys utilizing? Is there any advice for people out there in terms of technology, what they should utilize? I think there's there's a lot of interesting things happening today when it comes to technology. The, 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 the amount of uh, development when it comes to technology is increasing exponentially. And uh, I mean, there's discussion of a fourth industry revolution, etc. And and in connection to that, of course, technology always comes in as an enabler in in different challenges um, um, that that are being faced. And I mean, blockchain, both blockchain and RFID could definitely potentially be uh, enabling um, different areas or different different aspects of different areas. And uh, when it comes to sustainability, and there are a lot of a lot of. Uh, uh, exploration that needs to be done um, uh, to 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 um, map out all the areas. I mean, when you look at blockchain, blockchain could be compared to um, internet, right? So it was when internet first started, people had a good idea of what it could do and how it could be used, but no one knew that it could actually be used in ways that is being used today. Um, so um, I think it, um, my advice is to try it out, test it, pilot, and make sure you find the way best solution for you for you when it comes to these questions. Okay, so let about the let's go to the second part. Do you think customers, um, you know, the consumer today obviously wants a more sustainable product, but do you feel they're willing to pay an additional uh, cost for that, or they're looking for the same quality, same design? Uh, garment with a more sustainable supply chain at the same cost? I think that the driver always will be whether or not I, I want it, I need the product. And there's 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 incre increasing uh, part of the uh, consumers. I mean, with the shift of like millennials taking over, but even more Generation Z, where they are very much value-driven, where they... Uh, where they see themselves as a as a brand, and they want they want to be more associated with brands that reflect their own values. Um, I think with that with that change and with that shift and uh, happening, um, that it 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 won't be price only that drives uh, consumers to to buy a garment. It will be much more connected to to uh, values. Uh, um, and here, transparency will become an important part of that um, equation. Gotcha. Well, listen, Nina, I, you know, I really appreciate you taking time uh, to be with us today. I think you, you've offered a lot of uh, valuable insight, and um, I know our listeners are going to find it very valuable. Um, for anyone that, that would love to contact you offline, what would be the best way for them to get in contact with you? I just find me on LinkedIn and send me a message. So just just uh, Nina Serati uh, on LinkedIn, uh, and obviously to the listeners out there, she's with H and M. So Nina, thank you again, and uh, we look forward to having you on the show again. Thank soon. you.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.